This is Planet Money from NPR. In 2000, at the age of 17, Angel Sanchez gets his first real job. It's in the law library at the DeSoto Correctional Institution in southwest Florida, where Angel is an inmate. My first day at work, I walk in and they tell me, this is your desk. And that was like, what? I got a desk. I've never in my life had a desk before that moment. Right away, Angel loves this place. There are no guards. There's no fighting. They even have their own coffee pot. And it was a sense of liberty. I almost felt like I was out of prison in that moment. Angel had lived a hard life. The first time police put him in handcuffs, he was in the third grade in the principal's office. By age 14, Angel traded 60 bucks and his Super Nintendo for his first gun. He ran away from home. He joined a gang. And at 17, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison for armed robbery and gang-related shootings. And it's in his first year in prison that he gets that job in the library. And as he begins to study the law there, he starts to feel something that he's never really felt before. Like, maybe he has options. I liked it because it allowed me to challenge the system in a legal way. I always felt like there was never a challenge. The police stopped me. I can't do nothing about that. They slapped me. I can't do nothing about that. And the law gave me an avenue that says, no, you could challenge it. Angel starts working on a paralegal certificate. And as he's studying, he starts to think, wait, this is not as hard as I thought it would be. Learning the law was like, wow, why do these lawyers charge so much? It doesn't take that much to learn to do this. And most of the forms are pre-filled. I'm like, what is going on here? I thought it was a scam. And I'm like, this is this esoteric thing that I thought only geniuses knew I could get it. Either I'm a genius or they're not. And I said, man, if I ever got out, could I be a lawyer? But then he thinks, oh, wait, would they even let me be a lawyer with a felony conviction? He looks into it, and the answer in Florida is probably not. Or at least it would be very hard. First, he'd have to beg the governor for clemency, which is almost never granted. And then Angel learns he's also lost a bunch of other rights because of his felony. I learned that in Florida, you lose your voting rights, your right to sit on a jury, and your right to run for public office for life. It's losing the right to vote that really stings for Angel. He's like, hold up. I can't vote ever? Like, I'm 17 years old. I've never even had the right to vote. And now you're telling me that for the rest of my life, I just get no say as a citizen of this democracy? Which is true, of course, not just for Angel. There are about 1.4 million people with felony convictions in Florida. One in 10 adults with a felony conviction. More than one in five African Americans. And I'm like, wait, what? That's something that I thought would come from some other countries. Like my family, they come like from Venezuela and Cuba. I'm like, there you see like the government trying to imprison people and then use the law to take away people's political power, but not in the United States. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Karen Duffin. Taking away the political power of 1.4 million people is a big deal anywhere, but especially in Florida. Florida is a state that can swing presidential elections like the one happening just next week. 
And elections in Florida usually come down to much less than even a million people. Hillary Clinton lost Florida in 2016 by 112,000 votes. In 2000, George Bush won by just 537. Today on the show, Angel Sanchez sets out to get the right to vote back for himself and for the 1.4 million others like him in Florida which worked until the fight stopped being about voting rights and started to become about money. The Indicator from Planet Money brings you daily stories from this staggering moment in the American economy. Nobody has any money. Everybody's store is closed. This could be so financially devastating, we could lose the farm. And I laid my dad off. He's on unemployment. Listen and subscribe to The Indicator from NPR. On the next episode of Louder Than a Riot, the 20-year fight to clear the name of former No Limit rapper, Mac Phipps. Because me and my brother was close. The years that he lost, that's some of the best years of his life. He done lost. For me, it, it just hurts. Listen now to Louder Than a Riot, the new podcast from NPR Music. Angel Sanchez walks out of prison in 2011 after serving 12 years. He has a GED and a paralegal certificate. And now he is determined to figure out how to get a full-on law degree. I used to think you go from high school to law school. And I'm like, no, there's a thing called a degree, like a bachelor's degree. He moves into a homeless shelter in Orlando and starts community college. He also starts looking more into that whole you lose your right to vote for life thing. My first English comp assignment, I decided to choose the topic of losing one's voting rights. And I couldn't find a lot of things because I didn't know the legal term for it, which was disenfranchisement. And to me, it was really weird because I'm thinking franchise, McDonald's, Burger King, disenfranchised, never made the connection. Laws about disenfranchisement in America go all the way back to the Civil War. The 14th Amendment granted citizenship to newly freed slaves. It also said you can take away the vote from just one group of people, people with criminal convictions. And so in 1868, Florida did just that. Angel takes all of this information, he writes his paper, he's ranting about this to anyone who will listen, and his professor says, you should really meet this guy Desmond Mead. Desmond was also incarcerated, he's now in law school, he's been working on a whole campaign to restore voting rights for people with felony convictions. They meet, and Angel says, I really want to help. And Desmond had been working on this for a few years by then, and he tells Angel, like, Just to warn you, this is not an easy problem to solve. We're trying to undo a 150-year-old Jim Crow era law. And we have to figure out how to undo that when the courts have refused to do it. Politicians have not done it. Desmond tells him, look, a few years ago, we got Governor Chris to grant us some voting rights. But then the very next governor immediately took them back. So if we want to get this done, we have to go around the politicians. And we started and and early on decided we will not allow politicians to co-opt our movement. We did not depend on their leadership. We did not want that. And we kept them at arm's length. Instead, they will have to do it the hard way by amending the state constitution And if they can do that, it won't matter who's in office because everyone has to follow the Constitution, even the governor. But just to 
get an amendment on the ballot in Florida will take them nearly a million signatures. And if they can do that, they also have to get 60% of the vote, a supermajority. So they can only do this if they can rally bipartisan support in a very partisan year. This was 2018. And this is all volunteer base. You know, there's no money coming in at that time for any of it. And, you know, I have to be honest at the time, like, we're going to do it, but that's far-fetched. But on the other hand, there are 1.4 million people in Florida with felony convictions. And those 1.4 million people have family members, they have friends. One person could get 10 people and each, if those 10 people could get one person, that could multiply. So in 2014, then 15, 16, 17, they just start driving around the state. They put thousands and then tens of thousands of miles on their cars. And went to very conservative neighborhoods, went to churches, we went to drug rehab centers, we went to underserved communities. Angel joins this grassroots road trip when he can, but he's also juggling school. By the end of the campaign, in fact, he is finally at law school. I was in my first year of law school, the toughest year of law school. But he's doing as much as he can between classes. And I was for like 60 straight days in front of cameras, interviewing, live shows. Angel talks to the viewers at home, his fellow citizens of Florida, and makes the case. Like, do you really think that in a democracy, we should be taking a person's right to vote for life? Angel also makes some videos like this one. Los ciudadanos en la Florida creen en redención. We're a country that believes in redemption, but most of all, we're a country that believes in second chances. If tugging at people's hearts doesn't work, he appeals to people's heads and pocketbooks. Research has shown people who had been given their voting rights back and had actually used it were less likely to reoffend. So, like, less crime, less money spent on incarceration, more people civically engaged? Eventually, nonprofits, churches, activists start collecting signatures for them. Some of their houses are starting to literally fill up with bins and bins of petitions. And their no politics approach, it starts paying off. Support starts coming in from both sides of the aisle, from the ACLU on the left to the very conservative Koch brothers. Also, celebrities start to sign on, like John Legend tweets out that video with Angel. And finally, they have enough signatures. They are on the ballot. Amendment 4. So now it is up to the voters of Florida. And this is now we've got a projected answer on Amendment 4 in Florida. It looks like Amendment 4 um, will pass. That's a big deal, not just for the people directly affected. By it passes. Here. Nearly 65 percent of Florida voters give back the vote to 1.4 million people. It's likely the largest addition to the voting rolls since women got the franchise in 1920. People start predicting how this might upend Florida politics, maybe even national politics with the presidential election just two years out. The amendment is ratified in January of 2019, as Angel is in his second year of law school. Between classes, Angel ducks out of school, drives to the nearest DMV by himself, and at age 36, for the first time in his life, he registers to vote. And I remember taking a picture of it and put it on my social media and saying, you know, most people become eligible to vote in our country at the age of 18. Um, sadly, it took me twice as long, but it is twice as sweet of a victory for me. 
it will turn out to be a sweet but short victory. Just after Angel registers for the first time, Republicans in the state legislature say, wait, 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 not so fast. Yes, the voters passed this amendment, but we have to set the terms for how it actually gets implemented. Tell me when you first started hearing about this new lie. Wow. I don't know how much I, I would go on record saying, but I do know this much. I was really angry, really frustrated, and really surprised. I didn't even think this was a thing um, that was really happening. After the break, the politicians find their way back in and say, just so you know, that amendment might not apply to all 1.4 million people. This message comes from NPR sponsor FM Global. Your commercial property insurance partners at FM Global want you to know that today, resilience means no matter what complexities your business faces, you can navigate them to make sure nothing can stop your business from moving forward. Make your business more resilient at fmglobal.com. Voting is crucial. I don't give a damn how you look at it. Is this America? It was we, the people. The land of the free and the home of the brave. Not we, the white male citizens. Misrepresentative Democracy. A new series about voting in America from NPR's Throughline. Listen now. So in November of 2018, voters gave people with felony convictions back their right to vote, enshrined it in the Florida state constitution. But that is not the end of the story. Four months later, in March of 2019, the state legislature reconvenes. And one of the first items of business from the Republican leadership is, we really need to define how this new amendment will be implemented across the state. And one of the questions comes up is, well, how are 67 different counties and different supervisors of elections going to interpret this? This is Jeff Brandis. He's a Republican state senator in Florida. And the Republicans in the state legislature say, look, some of the words in this amendment are a little vague. Before we implement it, we need to clarify a few terms. For example, the amendment says you don't get your vote back if you were convicted of murder. Murder is not a defined term, right? It's, 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 does that include just first-degree murder? Does it include second-degree murder? What about felony murder? But the most contentious set of words in Amendment 4 is the part that says People with felony convictions can vote only after they complete, quote, all terms of their sentence. What, are, what is exactly the meaning of all terms of sentence? On the surface, that seems to mean just finishing your prison time, parole, probation. But a lot of sentences also come with financial obligations. There's restitution. You sometimes have to pay to victims. There's fines for certain crimes. But there's also this whole other set of basically just administrative costs. They're called fees. Like in one county, if you want to certify a printout, that'll be two bucks. There's 20 bucks to a Crime Stopper Trust Fund. Angel had to pay that one. There's also a state law enforcement radio system trust fund. Three bucks for that, please. There's this one fee for a very vague, quote, additional court costs. And whatever those additional things are, they always come out to $65. And all of these fees can really start to add up sometimes into the many thousands of dollars. And fees aren't so much about punishment like the other financial obligations. Fees are mostly there to basically just fund the government. 
only some people have to pay those first two things, restitution and fines. But every person with a conviction owes fees. So the state legislature mulls all of this over and they decide if you want to vote, you have to have paid off everything, including fees. They chose the strictest interpretation. All terms of sentence does not explicitly say financial obligations. And so the question I think that seems like would be most pertinent is what did the voters think that all terms of sentence meant? If you didn't have a lot of flexibility with the words all terms of sentence, because we agree that all means everything, everything within the four corners of the sentencing document. Some of the advocates for Amendment 4 had acknowledged that money would be involved, but mostly just restitution and fines, things that are a little bit more about punishment, that you might have to pay those before you vote. But fees, you know, like that radio system trust fund, those administrative costs? I, like, I don't know. That's stretching it for the average person. You know, what do you think is a sentence? When a person's done with their sentence, what did they finish? Well, their incarceration... No one is saying, did they pay their court costs, right? And that, that, that's where you could start seeing that there's, there's, there's lack of good faith there. The bill passes along strictly partisan lines. And more than half of the people with felony convictions in Florida still owe money. So with the passage of this new law, more than half of the people who thought they'd earned their right to vote back with Amendment 4 lost that right again. Or at least it was put on pause. It was... It, 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 it felt like something had, like, it was just, like, I, like, what's the word I'm looking for when your heart sinks? You know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The law passes in June of 2019. There are lawsuits upon lawsuits. So it isn't really final until September of this year, just two months before the presidential election. And nearly 80 percent of the people who owe money just straight up cannot afford to pay it back. Which means that if you took two people who had committed the same crime, were given the same financial penalties, if one of them just happened to have the money, that person can vote. If the other person doesn't, that person cannot. No money, no vote. So advocacy groups start raising money. They get support from people like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and others. They've raised about $25 million so far. And they've literally just been paying off people's bills, about 40,000 people so far. The new law does allow people to go back to court and try to get their financial obligations reduced. But there is another obstacle, in addition to just whether or not you even can pay, which is whether or not you can even figure out what you owe. There are 67 different court systems that have financial records, and those systems are not at all integrated. And you're going to want to be very sure you don't owe money before you vote. Because if you even register to vote when you aren't eligible, say if you owe money and you didn't realize it, in Florida, ironically, that is a felony. By passing this, they created enough uncertainty and fear of prosecution that they could probably chill a whole bunch of people from voting. Who in their right minds who has gone through the criminal system wants to run that gamble for the sake of standing in line for a few hours to go vote? And Angel, who now has his law degree, knows this issue as well as anyone else at that point. Even he gets caught in this mess. Angel had paid off all of his court bills when he was just a few years out of prison. But after this law passes, he decides to just check the clerk of court's website for the county where he was convicted. 
not only was there no record of what I had paid, the clerk of courts had me with outstanding balances. According to this, I might have been breaking the law. Because, of course, Angel has already registered to vote. He's even already voted in a presidential primary. It's a Saturday in July when Angel discovers this. So it is a very long weekend. I didn't know what to, what to do with myself because I couldn't call anybody at the clerk's office or anywhere. So it was really tormenting me. And, it, and it's like all the insecurities uh, and the stigmas all just surfaced. And it was almost like I didn't graduate from law school. Like I haven't done anything. And I was just reminded how no matter how much I achieve, at the end of the day, you're a convicted felon. And of course, he may be on the hook for an additional felony now if he can't prove he already paid. So first thing Monday morning, he picks up his phone. And I spend the next two weeks bounced between the clerks, the Department of Corrections, probations, probation in the Capitol in Tallahassee, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, grasping at straws, he just randomly calls a probation officer in a city where he was never even on probation. And she's like, yeah, I do see you have a payment here and you made a payment here. How much was that payment for? Oh, at first you were paying $10. Yeah, yeah, that's when I first got out. I was in a homeless shelter. You see that? You sure you see that? Yeah. She agrees to print out Angel's receipts for him. He takes them home, pulls out his calculator. And when he does the math, he discovers he is not only paid, he is overpaid. He's more than okay to vote. And there's another election that week. So he calls his teenage niece and two young nephews. His sister is newly out of prison. He tells the kids, we're going to go vote. And they are not 100 percent excited to stand in a line with him. But as they pile into his beat up Nissan Altima, Angel explains why they were doing this. And I said, as a family of six, we don't have a say on who's the prosecutor in Miami. We don't have a say on who's the judges on how our money is spent. Yet there's a bunch of other families around us. They get to decide that for us. We haven't had a a say in that. And this will be the first time that our family will finally have a vote. I'll be voting for us. When Amendment 4 first passed, they thought about 1.4 million people would gain the right to vote. And that number got cut to just over 600,000 by the new law. And by the voter registration deadline this fall, Only about 85,000 people of that original 1.4 million had registered. We always like to hear what you think about the show. You can reach us at planetmoney at npr.org. We are also at Planet Money on most social media platforms. For example, check out Instagram this week for pictures and video of Angel. If you want to support Planet Money, go look at our swag at the NPR store. Very cool t-shirts, even a patch from when we went to space. That is shop.npr.org slash planetmoney. This episode was produced by James Sneed with help from Gilly Moon. Editing help today from Keith Romer. Alex Goldmark is our supervising producer. Bryant Erstadt edits the show. Special thanks today to Dan Smith and Todd Donovan. A big thanks to Desmond Mead. Also, Danny Rivera at WLRN in Florida. He's done a bunch of great reporting on this you should check out. Also, we are looking for a new intern. It is paid. It's remote. Even though we're nerds, we promise we're fun nerds. To learn more, go to npr.org slash internships. Applications are due very soon, November 2nd. I'm Karen Duffin. This is NPR. Thanks for listening.